welcome to What's Her Face. I'm Carly Scott Fields. And I'm Leslie Swenson. And today we have our friend Mo Horner joining us on the podcast. Trained by the East West School of Planetary Herbology and a professional member of the American Herbalist Guild since 2008, Mo Horner spends more than 1,000 hours annually listening to and addressing the health concerns of her clients. Her comprehensive approach results in personalized health plans that can be implemented right away to help clients evolve from bad habits, create healthy rhythms, and restore balance. She never set out to make a career of herbalism until a major health event changed her view of the world. Culinary spices were the only herbs in her life. So now let's dive into the private and public persona of our guest. Welcome, Mo. Hi, you guys. Hey, buddy. How you doing today? <laughs> so excited to be here. Yeah. Yay, we're so excited to have you. I'm excited that somebody's excited about me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, during quarantine, it's always nice to hear that, especially when hugs aren't really a thing. Right. It's like that any day. So I guess let's just get right into it. I'm so curious about your your time with modern medicine and like how you were even introduced to herbalism, what brought you here? Modern medicine's been the bane of my existence since I was 12. Can I go back that far? Oh, yeah. yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. When I was about 11 or 12 years old, I started to have pain in my joints, hmm. bad pain. It would send me to bed early as a kid. Everybody else is staying up watching Macmillan and Wife and <laughs> Sunday night special, and I'm like, I'm going to bed. I don't feel good. Eventually, they took me to the doctor, and they removed something from my leg or something and said, you have juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So take these eight pills a day. Oh, my goodness. The size of the giant <laughs> prenatal vitamins that you ladies out there oh, no. take. <laughs> As a 12-year-old, you're experiencing this? 12-year-old. Can you imagine what that did to my stomach? Oh, my gosh. My digestive system. And on top of that, it didn't help. No. I was on and off medications for pain in the joints and all kinds of problems. Um, Pretty much till college when I said, I need to see somebody different. So they put me on another medication. (laughs) Wouldn't suggest anything else. I said, can you put me in physical therapy? Can I see some other kind of doctor? Nope, this is all we got. So when I decided to start having a family, I quit all the medications and I never went back on them. And you know what? I didn't feel that much worse. (laughs) That's so strange. So fast forward, age 40, 41. I go to the doctor. They say, yeah, we need to look at that lump that lump out and then they say you're gonna need chemo and then you're gonna need radiation and I just about fell apart yeah because up to then mm-hmm. nothing was really helping all my other health problems so I saw breast cancer as a great opportunity to start exploring anything that might help me mm-hmm. with my health so a friend of mine said why don't you go see my naturopath he's helped our family maybe he'll help you Oh, I thought, okay, I'll go, whatever. I sat in his office and I said, I just don't want to lose my hair. I don't want to lose my hair. I thought that was the worst thing that could happen to me with chemo. And he said, okay, well, we'll see what we can do. And he gave me these strange herbal pills for my liver. And I took them. And within probably two to three weeks, I was no longer having all the digestive pain I had had my whole life. Uh, My joint pain practically went away. I could sleep better. I I got my life back from these dumb liver pills he gave me. Were you taking those alongside getting chemo treatments? Like, what was the background of that? Were you still going into the doctor regularly? I was. I started chemo in, like, October and finished in February. And all that time, I took that stuff stuff and it made a big difference in my life in fact I never ended up in the hospital I never had an infection I never lost a bunch of weight I was in pretty wow. good shape and this is 20 years ago so 
when I discovered that, I knew there were things that doctors could not help me with. Mm -hmm. Right. Didn't have answers to. And so I set out, initially set out to sit in therapy, and that was four years for me, four years of therapy. The therapy unraveled a bunch of things, but during that time I also started exploring <clears throat> natural solutions to the other issues that still remained. And that was the start. That was the start of it for me. I worked at a health food store. I worked at the bookworm. <laughs> <laughs> so I just decided I was going to go do all the things I always wanted to do, mm -hmm. but never, never had the courage to do. Never allowed yourself. Mm -hmm. And at this time, my kids were all in like grade school and younger, and they were watching me go through this transformation. They Must be very difficult. That had to be powerful for them. I think it was subtly powerful based on what they're doing with their lives mm -hmm. today. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. grown women. Um, but I did not receive that kind of encouragement and support from their dad. Um, he did the best he could, mm -hmm. being a man and supporting the family and that sort of thing. But I seriously felt that I needed, um, after I'd done all the things I could to help myself, and my relationship was still really painful, that it was time to leave that. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much right at the same time I was starting to learn all about herbalism so it's like a huge transition broke, for yeah, you. you just broke right out of that I mean, shell. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I have no words for that period of transition. I, it was a whirlwind, right? I left that relationship. I started a relationship with plants and went back to nature and got outside and found myself, as they say. Um, dated around a lot. How so old were you at this point? I was... 45 okay. when I left him mm -hmm. and got divorced. And when did you start to study herbalism? I was already studying it from around age 42 or so okay. after the chemo treatments mm -hmm. and radiation were over. Yeah. If I knew then what I know now, <laughs> what I would do differently, yeah. quite a few things I would do differently. I would probably still get the Western treatment, but I would get a well, I fought for the least amount of invasive, invasive mm -hmm. therapy then. Okay. So I was really proud of myself for doing that. But if I was going to go back now, I would take a lot different kinds, a lot of different kinds of supportive therapies. Did you make your doctors aware of these herbal like treatments that you were taking as well? Good How did question. you kind of have that conversation with your doctors to make sure they kind of still knew what was going on in your body? Um. For me, it wasn't a conversation. It was more of, here's what I'm doing. Okay. I don't care if you like it or not. <laughs> <clears throat> I trust that other provider, too. Mm -hmm. And there be, I found a great doctor to begin with because I made sure when I got a referral to an oncologist that this was going to be someone who was open-minded, sure. open to any of the ideas I had to support myself through therapy. Right. So Dr. Steve Lemon, who doesn't practice in Omaha anymore, is now in like Washington. He's a great doctor. <clears throat> allowed me to do what I needed to do. He would gently offer me things like, uh, you look like you're really down. We have an antidepressant you know, that would really help with that. And I was, can I use profanity? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I said, fuck no. I want to feel my depression. Good I want to feel the feelings that are coming up here. Yeah. Otherwise, how can I deal with those? Right. And he respectfully said, I hear you. Don't worry about it. Hmm. Just let me know if you need anything. That's fantastic. <clears throat> so this, the natural doctor that you were seeing at that time, was he an, an herbalist? Was he, he a naturopathic a, doctor, okay. an ND. What is the difference? Yeah, what is, can you? Be, between an herbalist and a naturopath? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Naturopathic yeah. doctors use homeopathics, which are um, <clears throat> a more energetic type medicine than herbalism. Okay. Right, so they, we use the mother tinctures, and they use a homeopathic version of our mother tinctures. And also, their homeopathics are made from plants that are typically considered poisonous. Oh, interesting. Right? Oh. <clears throat> What's a mother tincture? I have so many questions for you. Right. So if you take that plant material that came mm -hmm. out of your garden, and you stuff it down in a jar, and you pour alcohol over it, okay. water maybe, and you let it sit for two weeks while you shake it every day. Okay. You've got yourself a mother tincture once that's <laughs> strained out. Cute. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just so curious, like, obviously, I think a lot of listeners, as well as me, um, are aware of kind of the stigma that comes with homeopathic remedies. Um, So when you were going in and receiving these treatments, did you kind of carry that stigma with you at the time? How did that kind of resolve itself in your eyes? No, because I'm rebellious. And so it was very much in my nature to seek out something that was opposing or Interesting. let's call it complimentary now to what I was doing with with Western medicine. Okay. I mean, at that point when they were offering me chemo and mm-hmm. radiation, I was practically crying every time because I oh. couldn't believe I was letting somebody do that to me after mm. after my relationship with Western right. Western medicine was so bad. It was so antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Um, never did I feel that anybody could ever offer me anything I need, really needed. And so I was resistant to it, and I would cry during my chemo treatments, and I wouldn't talk. Wow. I was very shut down. Once I got into therapy, after all the treatments ended, mm-hmm. that's, when, that's when I really went to town on how do I tear this up and start over. That's fascinating. So what was your next step then? How did you start your own practice? Let's go down that road I really am interested in how you went from being in the passenger seat to like going full driver and just going like I'm gonna go on this path this is mine now I love it when you say that I when I was working at Jane's health food store Mm -hmm. I met my mentor oh really which one I mean, not <laughs> which wife? <laughs> which wife? Which James? Benson. Oh, I worked sweet. at the one in Rockbrook, which is it was only I didn't open three there years. Were, I didn't know there were two, two locations. <laughs> there aren't anymore. Oh, yeah. there ever were. Sorry, yeah. but for that, for that brief, that's sad. <clears throat> for the brief little period of time they were open, I worked for them for a while, and I met my teacher there, who eventually became my mentor mm-hmm. and still one of my most valuable teachers, Nicholas Schnell. Um, I approached him through emails, which was the only way to get a hold of him, and said, I need to come work for you. I need to be there. I need to be at your clinic. He's an herbal, he has an herbal clinic for the Four Winds Natural Healing Center. So he ignored me. <laughs> what year oh, was this? No. This was 2005. Okay, okay. Early 2005. He didn't pay much attention to it. I sent him several emails. Then finally one day I said, I'm coming in. I'll be here on Friday, 9 o'clock. Good for you. Whether you want me or not. I'll do anything you want me to do. I love your passion. I truly admire it. So he shows, I show up, and they were like, she actually came. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, see what you can find to do. So I cleaned the bathrooms. I washed like the you're bottles. A tattoo apprentice going all the way from the bottom to the top. I vacuumed. I ended up having painted like half that office, three three offices at least, a kitchen. I did anything I could do to be in that space and That's learn. Incredible. And eventually they warmed saw up that to I you. Was, yeah, they saw <laughs> that I wasn't leaving and they gave me work and offered me a job. And when I was divorced, I went, got to be full time there. And it was during those years that I was learning, answering the phone, talking to clients. So I really picked up what herbalism was about, mm-hmm. right? Every single person who called on the phone, walked in, or needed anything, I dealt with it mm. first whatever days I was there. And boy, you can learn a lot about how, uh, how herbal medicine works by working with a really skilled herbalist. So what was your experience then getting into the East-West School? Hmm. Applying for a piece of cake, you buy the materials, and you start studying. But it requires that you visit for a, a eight-day conference once a year for, for each of the years you're studying. So it ends up being three full conferences, a, a beginner year, an intermediate year, mm-hmm. an advanced year. And I found that um, I thought it was a piece of cake because <laughs> I was already doing that work. And oh, a lot of people yeah. there were very new to herbalism, mm-hmm. didn't really know how this whole thing worked. Um, I was especially enamored by the fact that it was not just studying about Western herbalism. It was, I got to learn all about traditional Chinese medicine, which gave Mm -hmm. me the framework for assessing people. Okay. Right? Oh, that's cool. Okay. And I learned about Ayurveda. So that's why they, it's really called planetary herbalism. Learn from systems all around the the world and herbs from all around the world. What is Ayurveda? Ayurveda is the science of life. It's the (laughs) medicine you'll find in India. About 8 to 10% of the population still chiefly uses Ayurveda. Okay. 
Okay, so that's really cool because your herbalism then is like a is a blend of um, ideas from all over the globe. Yes, that it are is. seem to be like successful and bubbling to the top and mm-hmm. rolled into this study. It's that blend, especially the traditional Chinese medicine, that has allowed me to, I believe, to be successful in a practice because there's something about combining the different modalities and the different philosophies that um, allows for a deeper healing. So traditional Chinese medicines, medicine is um, strong on tonics. Okay. Tonic medicine. What that means is if you come to me with dryness and menstrual problems, et cetera, et cetera, I'm going to find out what what that deficiency or weakness is. And that is something we're going to address along with the symptom you're having. So you don't just get, here, this will stop the excessive bleeding, or this will restart your periods, or this will get, you know, help, help you with your acne. You'll get, I'm going to go into that deep blood deficiency level and that chi deficiency mm-hmm. level, and we're going to work on building you up over time. It's like fertilizing your garden out there and you plant your plants and they do fine but once you fertilize right or you give it the right soil the whole garden takes off right makes sense and so i think herbalism and specifically the tonic thinking with chinese medicine allows for that you to really bloom Mm -hmm. right not just to get back to standing erect because i watered you right Mm -hmm. but also produce fruit so how do you do those assessments that is a gigantic question. <laughs> um, I would say the greatest thing, can we talk about healing though? Yeah. Okay. Well, Leslie, as you know, when you come in and sit down in front of me, what you're going to get is a hundred questions. A hundred. And they don't all even seem like they're related to the topic you came in for. Right? Why are you asking me about sleep? True. I came in here for digestive problems. Right, right. right. But nobody ever objects to that. Most people are like, oh, you want to know about all of me? So I ask and I ask and I ask and I dig deep. And then when I see the whole person, hello, holistic health, right? I see the whole thing, even the things you're not thinking to mention to me. Now I can, cre- I can figure out what your pattern is. What is, are you deficient in this? Are you excessive in that? What is missing in you that we can help, that plant medicine can help? let's just say revive, mm-hmm. right? How are you able to receive so much of that personal information from someone? Like how, how are you able to be a container for so many people? Mm-hmm. What, what are some things that you do for yourself to kind of oh. work with that? Because it seems like you really take on a lot during these assessments, which is beautiful because it helps you get to where you'd like to go with your client. But wow, is that a lot to take on from anybody, let alone hundreds of people. Well, sitting in this room, this is an <laughs> example of this. I, I choose nourishing people in my mm. life. Sometimes they choose me. <laughs> I choose nourishing friends. Um, and um, let's be frank here. I love having a person in my life mm-hmm. because especially someone who gives instead of needing to be receiving all the time, mm-hmm. right? So a human man generally, (laughs) with nice, big, warm hands. (laughs) Um, And a great hug can go a really long way, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And also somebody who just sits and listens when I need to talk. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about, don't you guys? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. This is why we started that podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Because we, I'm not the only woman who is a vessel that, Mm -hmm. that holds everybody's stuff, right? Right. We all do that for each other. And so we all need that um, to go get our bucket filled somewhere mm-hmm. somewhere else. You know? Another thing is, I think I'm in this field because I can detach sure. easily. Yeah, that is good. And I don't take my work home with me, except in the mm-hmm. sense that it's there. It's floating back <laughs> there, right? And it's informing what I do and making the choices I make. I should mention, though, that you do have a keen interest in helping friends. Our sweet friend, Crystal, who we'll have on the podcast hopefully soon one day, um, 
refractured her ankle. What did she do? She resprained it. Something traumatic happened to a a, a, a running accident. Yeah, <laughs> so falling and down the hill situation. She immediately, like Mo, immediately jumped in to help, and she was like, "Oh no, no, have her come over. I'm gonna wrap her up right now. I'll put all these herbs on her, so you might not take it home with you, but you definitely practice it on the porch." <laughs> <laughs> porch herbalism. Yes, porch exactly. herbalism. I don't think that I've ever been to your porch and not had some sort of <laughs> little bit of little, like a little oh, nugget of knowledge. For that. <laughs> It's hard to resist. It's, yeah, well, and I love it. I don't like to see it's people so much suffer. a part of you. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. In fact, this is the first thing in my life that I've ever done that felt like it was me, mm-hmm. right? Instead of I'm doing it. Yeah. You know? That's so cool. Um, so, it, in this uh, field and it being you, um, will you talk a little bit about your goals for a community clinic? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that because that's really close to my heart. Um, when I applied for my professional designation back in the day, they ask you, what are your goals as an herbalist? What do you want to accomplish in your practice over the next 10, 20 years? Fair question. <laughs> the only thing I put down was that I wanted to start a community clinic so that what I do could be accessible to anybody. Beautiful. Herbs for all, right? Herbalism mm-hmm. for all. And I kind of forgot about that and stashed it away for a few years. And then... A client came to me with her own personal issues, and after she felt better, and nothing had helped her before that, she came back to me for an appointment and said, would you be interested in starting a community clinic with your herbalism skills in South Omaha? And I said, when? Let's do it. Let's do it. Do you have the building? I'm ready. So she found the place, and she set it all up, and I brought in, I, I called in, all the resources from mm-hmm. all the herbalists in Omaha who contributed bags and bags of herbs that they had sitting in closets in their house. How many herbalists so are cool. there in Omaha? Lots of them. I had no idea. Lots of studying ones. Before I met you, I had okay. no idea. But so not a lot of studying. I would say um, practicing and very successful, I'd say 10 to 15 range. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's more than I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When I started, it was me and Nicholas, that's my wild. mentor. So do you currently, with this community clinic, will you kind of take on a mentee? I do take on mentees. Oh, you do? Okay, In you fact, do. this is a very important part of what we're doing right now. We're about, right at the moment, we're creating a national model for mm-hmm. clinical interns. So because we are strictly a virtual clinic right now mm-hmm. because of COVID, um, we decided to open up our internship program to the country. And so instead of just finding herbalists from Omaha who could serve us, which we've had in the past, and they are amazing, we opened it up to everyone. And um, I just finished four interviews this week. Yeah, you just spent your past week doing this. Herbalists. There is no stopping you. It's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm about to announce who my new two interns are going to be for the next six months. Right. And at the same time that we're doing this with this mentee mentorship program, Mm Um, we're also in the process of applying for our nonprofit status Wonderful. and looking for board members. Hello, if you're out there and this sounds great to you, <laughs> come on board. Um, and a lot of other things. How many board members do you think you want? Or do you like at least three. three. And then we need their skills to be in the areas of the initial development of this, mm-hmm. possibly um, showing us what, what, what else do we need to achieve full nonprofit status. Who can they direct us to that has funds that mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. help support our vision? Right? Who can help us develop our vision? Mm-hmm. Okay. And say what we they think we're possible is possible with this clinic. What else should we be doing? What do you think is possible with it right now? What, right now what's possible? Mm-hmm. I do think that in my mind I see several little locations around town. Oh. People pop in and those those um, clinics are staffed by the talented herbalists we have in town mm-hmm. who give of their time one day a week or half a day a week to staff the clinic, give, a, give out the herbs, which we give away for free. We don't charge anything at the moment. We may mm-hmm. end up with a sliding scale version of this, but... Mm-hmm. Um, to make it sustainable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at the moment, we just named our clinic. Oh, After yeah. we've been in existence for three years, we Ooh. just named it, and the name is the Wild Roots People's Clinic. Beautiful. Fantastic. Beautiful. 
and we're working on a logo. Congratulations. So thank you. Oh yeah, if you're out there and you can also create a logo. <laughs> we can definitely. <laughs> Mo <Mo-up. laughs> yeah, yeah if you've so got wonderful. a vision. Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess we have someone right next to us. <laughs> really? Oh, I'll show you some of our samples in a minute. <laughs> Welcome, Mo. Thanks for giving me a chance to uh, answer that kind of a question because mm-hmm. that's where my heart is. Yeah. And in fact, I'm probably see. driving everybody around me crazy oh, no. talking about my clinic, the our community clinic we've created and how it's growing. It's clearly such an important issue to you. Your eyes genuinely light up. You can't see this, listeners, <laughs> but they definitely light up. It's just so interesting to me to see someone so passionate about herbalism and taking that out to the community and really wanting to affect change. I think that's just such a beautiful quality of you. It's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So what else do you want to know about me? What else are you dying to know about <laughs> Mo Horner? <laughs> well, at one point we did have a conversation where you said something that really struck me. You said at the end of your divorce and going into herbalism and discovering this whole new side of yourself, you realized that you weren't a teacher, but you were a doer. Mm-hmm. I've had so many opportunities to teach, and I met mm-hmm. Leslie in a teaching situation when I was holding classes Oh yeah, how, for you, how did you two meet? Women's Health. Yeah, you started this women's university, mm-hmm. um, which actually, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, what year was this? Where did it take place? I want to say it was five years ago what, or yeah, so. Yeah, what year was that? And it was, at, it was held at a local um, business, a women's, women's related business. Um, and we, I don't know how we advertise it. We got the word out there. But my idea about this was that women who need health, the kind of health care, two words, that I provide also need a lot of other support. Mm-hmm. They need support with financial advice. They need support with how do I move my body? So we had a Qigong instructor there and yoga help. Um, Gosh, the, oh, we we had a life coach who came and helped help us understand how to get a grip on what it is we (laughs) want in our lives, right? And we had a teacher who came to teach us how to make a little bit of medicine, how to make plant medicine. And then I talked about, I don't even about. Which one did you attend, Probably. Leslie? All of them. So the <laughs> series the, of five. Yeah. Okay, okay. So the the whole program. So you sign up, and these were what were they once a week, like Wednesday or Thursday evenings or something, mm-hmm. and each evening was a different class, a different topic. Okay. And it was all female led, and all female yeah. attended. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had like twenty people in that yeah. first class. There were two sessions of it. Sounds invigorating. Yeah, it was it, fantastic. It was great for the learners, but on my part, it felt mm-hmm. like way too much investment of my time and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. Oops, but it was, it was, it was really good for teaching me that I did not want to teach. Yes. <laughs> not that way. The way. But you did I, a fantastic mm-hmm. job in that. Thank you. Thank you. I got a lot out of it. And uh, a new friend. And a new friend. <laughs> um, but I did learn that I'm better and more comfortable with one-on-one. Mm-hmm. mentorships mm-hmm. okay yeah. more of a personal connection not so much of a broad spectrum sort of situation I can understand that yeah, I'm not a classroom teacher it's not <laughs> my thing really. so I feel like I'm really effective with uh, the interns in- interns mm-hmm. that we've had on because they can sit beside me literally when we were having in-person clinics they would mm-hmm. sit beside me watch what I do okay learn how to take a pulse learn what to see in the tongue how to ask questions how to put somebody at ease, which is a lot of mm-hmm. what I do, right? I've been mm-hmm. doing this for 12 years. So. You're also asking a lot of very deep personal questions. You need to create a yes. safe space for someone, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. One of the things I taught them that I think st- still applies to anybody doing any interviewing or talking to somebody is you look the person in the eye when you're asking. It, and that was especially important in this situation because most of our clients didn't speak English, mm-hmm. and so we had interpreters. And it would be easy to just stare at the interpreter and say, ask this question, right? But I insisted that we all look at the client, mm-hmm. act as if the interpreter is in our ears, maybe. Yeah. It's like these headphones. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, and that's how you create that connection. You look at them, mm-hmm. you hold their hand, you lean in, you hold hands back when you can do that. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Hopefully again one day. <laughs> Try to put them at ease by showing them that care like a friend would care 
I'm the a family huge member. fan of eye contact. In fact, Leslie probably knows this all too well. I tend to stop having conversations the minute that I'm not receiving eye contact and I just kind of sit there. <laughs> it's like I crave it so badly. And I don't know, it must be something that I learned when I was in kindergarten where it was like, I don't know, direct attention was the most important thing in a, in a classroom, of course. So I've unfortunately just carried that with me with the rest of my life. Maybe you read people through their eyes. Uh, That's how you get affirmation. I mean, we are really right now exchanging some great eye contact. You so I can I appreciate that. really are. <laughs> <laughs> well, just finding out that I know your mom it really made a difference oh, in yes. our connection. Yes, uh, <laughs> to bring this around a little bit, um, the other day I was talking to my mom about who our next guest was going to be. And when I said, oh, she's an herbalist, um, her name is Mo Horner. And she went, oh, I, I know Mo. You've known her since you were a little kid. And it turns out that Mo and my sweet mother, who is listening to this, I'm assuming, um, used to go get coffee together in like this large group at a place called Espresso Mary's. That's unfortunately no longer around. But just what a strange way to then reconnect after all these years full circle <laughs> full circle. circle i'm no longer a five-year-old attached to my mother's hip <laughs> surprise surprise it's okay to act like that though. oh no i I, I love it i don't think she loves it though <laughs> i can i say something about that and yes. that, that age thing i would love that so, so yeah. at this table we're a variety of ages mm -hmm. and um i feel like i'm aging backwards a little bit mm. Because ever since I got into herbalism, mm -hmm. it's sort of like it re definitely revived me wow. like a wilting plant. <laughs> and um, people tell me I look young for my age, I guess. But I, whether I look young for my age or not, I sure feel it. And I have to work harder to stay young in my body. Like I have to do yoga every day mm -hmm. instead of once a week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I can't binge on Oreos as often as I used to. That's yes, a shame. I eat Oreos. And no, I'm hey, not a vegan. vegan. <laughs> People ask me that too. Are you a vegan? Oh, I, they just assume. Oh, with the herbalism? Mm -hmm. hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Assume, yeah. Because it has that health tie. Mm -hmm. And I say, mm, I appreciate some hamburgers now and then. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, Oreos are where it's Can at. we all just agree that that should be on the food pyramid for them, vegans? So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would happily be a junk vegan. <laughs> happily. <laughs> There's a name for it? Oh, heck That's yeah. Great. I like it. And then we always hashtag vegan for health. <laughs> vegan for health. <laughs> we'll put that on this. I love it. I love it. So speaking of aging backwards. Yeah. And, um, and, and looking young for your age and just having all of this beautiful vitality. I um, like where you're going with this. Talk, talk to <laughs> us about dating. Oh, that's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> I love diving into this with you. You know, right out of the gate after I got divorced, I dated somebody for three years. And then somebody right after him for three years. And then I took a break, realizing <laughs> I had really rushed headlong into that sure. stuff. But let me tell you, um, the men that have come into my life have been so supportive of what I do. Really encouraged me to take the next step, mm. whatever that next step was. Really? Even, wait, so even at the beginning? Like the, fir the, the that very, very first, first person that I dated right out of the gate was somebody who knew about traditional Chinese medicine, knew about herbalism, oh, was fantastic super batch. into it, and became a teacher for me. Wow. How did so you meet this person? Uh, he was good friends with my mentor. Okay. So we struck up a friendship and more. And it, was, <laughs> it was a whirlwind. It was crazy. But it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about how to be a person, how to come out of my shell, mm -hmm. right? After yeah, all those years well, of marriage and especially, and, Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the next person that I met helped me create a website and start oh, wow. blogging, which I insisted I couldn't do. Oh, no, you can. But he was a writer and a journalist, so he could take my stuff, edit it, and go, hey, this information needs to be way earlier in the story. You need oh. to put that up front. It's good stuff. And eventually, I learned to edit my own blogs and got better and better at it, and I've You're written about 100-something 
of them. It's amazing. Many of which Practice. are on my website. What's your website? Naturalhealingomaha.com. Beautiful. Plug it. Look it up. <laughs> mm. But if you don't remember that, you can just put Mo the Herbalist. Yeah, Google if, and you'll if find you start me. Googling Mo Horner, it's like <laughs> Fortunately, it auto populates Mo, Mo Horner <laughs> Omaha, and boom, you're at Natural Healing. There you are. Yeah, you might find me on our um, our community clinic website too, which is chacoclinic.com. That name's changing. I was just gonna, yeah, okay, yes. So, so. This, that's really cool because you've found you found these relationships that not only, um you know, aided you in exiting a divorce and becoming a whole person, but also advancing your career. I mean, this is, that's, that's really, really neat. Well, maybe it was because I directed it that way. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it could, or it's just the universe supplying me with what I needed at that time. Sounds like a bit of both. And I'll take both, right? But I took a break. And ever since that mm -hmm. second relationship ended, I've been really dabbling in a lot of different things. I've done online dating. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Okay, so yeah, I'm a 23-year-old mm -hmm. unhinged. <laughs> so if you see unhinged. me, maybe just leave unhinged, me alone unhinged. unhinged. But <laughs> it's always really interesting because, I mean, my age ranges, I think I have it like set to like 24 to like 32 or something like that. Oh, such a baby. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm very aware, <laughs> believe me. And people make it known that I'm a baby constantly. Um, Sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, but it's, I don't know. How do you navigate these apps? I've given up on Tinder and Bumble altogether. Mm. Hinge is the only one that I kind of see myself having, I don't know what you define success as, but success is just like not talking to a bunch of creeps or having like unsolicited photos sent my way, I guess, is what I would oh. define as success. Ooh, were you getting unsolicited photos from people on oh, other apps? We could have a whole episode about just the horrors of dating. <laughs> um, but how do you navigate That's these really apps? Gross. As someone of your age, what is your age range look my like? Age what do you look for? Yeah. Especially because you feel so much younger, right? Exactly. Right. So I'm you can 57. Keep up with people. I'm 57. I started probably dating on online apps four or five years ago, right? Yeah. And I was putting in the age range, like really close to my age, plus five years or plus seven years. Okay. And then I would get the guys who were at the very end of that spectrum, like seven years older. Mm -hmm. And I realized this is not who I I really want to be with. I need somebody who's got some energy who can keep up with my vitality mm -hmm. level, right? So I lowered that age down into the 40s a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> How and much lower? What happened? Well, what happened is I started the men that would pop up in my feed were men who had kids. Oh my gosh, yeah. And my kids, by the time I started dating, my kids were grown, they were out of the house. I didn't mm -hmm. been I there, really done didn't that. want to go back there, right? No. But and that is to say, I made that mistake once. It wasn't a terrible mistake, but I did date somebody who had children that lived at home. Mm -hmm. And we moved in together for a year. And that was tricky for me. Yeah. Because mm. I really didn't want a family yeah. at home with me anymore. I wanted that person all to myself, as selfish as that sounds. Oh, that's what you want. Well, and you, I mean, you've raised three brilliant daughters, and they are all, not, none of them are even in Omaha now. No, nope. They're all out of town. I mean, I have a real solo life, yeah. independent. I can do whatever I need. I can see I that being very tricky to then completely revert back to what you thought you just accomplished. Mm -hmm. yep. It's a very strange headspace so, to be in. I mean, I had to extract myself from that situation where I was living mm -hmm. with a person. Mm -hmm. We had bought a house together and everything. It wow. was like four reels. Yeah. So my kids would say. <laughs> Sounds as real as it can get. It was. <laughs> Once mortgages are involved. It was very sad to have to leave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very sad. It took me a long time to get over it. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And I was in grief hell <sighs> for about two, two and a half months. Yeah. And I came out of that grief hell, thank God, with an amazing, amazing therapist who helped me see what I had going for me. Right? Then I restarted and got myself on Tinder. Yeah, so. And let me tell you, <laughs> Tinder was on fucking fire. <laughs> COVID Tinder. COVID Tinder. <laughs> fucking love you. It's a, it was like it's a whole other version of Tinder. Easy pickings. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And good stuff, too. I love that the good stuff is like good I, men. <laughs> like yeah. good stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. Well, I, it's so rare, though. These apps are so. It's, oh, I'm convinced that the good stuff is, is rare. against me. 
I think it hates me. It shows me people that I'm like, I don't even know if I'd want to be next to them and like on an average day. This is scary to me. I think it plays in my favor that I am always in front of people assessing them. Yeah. So I can get a good feel for somebody pretty oh, yeah. quick. And it turned into the this, uh, I need your name first and last, where you live, and where can I look up, look you up on the web? Once again, you're the definition I love of this. a firecracker. She's just like, <laughs> just like give me your credentials. Do you have a resume? Yes. So do you talk, where are your do you references? Do you start your, your like, tender text threads with those questions? Um, if I feel like they responded to me like I asked them to, I yes, also love because this. I put a what question. I put a question in my profile that says, "Ask me a question that shows you read my profile." Oh, okay. Because on my profile, I say, um, "Valerie Bertinelli was my doppelganger." Okay, and she was, and she still is. And there's a picture of her on my profile, right? So if you just if you just if you're a guy Bertinelli. and you're out there and you're swiping on and you get ooh, there's a cutie, and you say hi. <laughs> Yeah. Period. Not here for it. Nope. I'm going to swipe the hell <laughs> out of you. You're gone. <laughs> if you say, I had a, such a crush on her mom in that show, Linda Lavin, I'm currently dating Ding. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> currently dating a guy who did what I told him to do. Yeah. Right? God, I fucking he love you. He started an awesome conversation based on that. And it wasn't just that one comment. It was comment after comment coming back and naming other actresses he had a crush on. He's like, but <laughs> Valerie was the best and you do look like her. And, <laughs> and then it just started I love it. flying. No, I will no, say Joshua. I ignore those 10 out of 10 times. If I hear a sup, hi, what are you doing today? We're done. Hey, beautiful. Or we're done before we even started. You want to fuck? You're so saucy. Oh, my gosh. Goodbye. Good <laughs> Josh, I think we need to reevaluate your profile. I think Lauren needs to give you some tips. <laughs> Man, I can be just as potty mouth as the next person, but I don't want that coming at me. I need to know you. Yeah, get to know me first. Yeah, it's very strange. Mm -hmm. And it happens so quickly, too. I was having a very nice, not to completely deviate, but I was having what I thought was a very nice conversation. And at the end of it, it was like, so we're meeting up, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, you are so, 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 so wrong. I'm Recently? Just, I'm sorry. During COVID? Yes. When I went on Hinge the first time, I'm back on it again. I'm about to delete it. It's it's it comes in waves with me. Mm -hmm. Would you say you're a consistent As user? I am when I'm not dating. <laughs> well, no, okay, but let's talk about that because you were when when did you jump onto Tinder? Probably around late March, early April. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you were pretty like consistently talking to fielding I mean of course you're always fielding interest mm -hmm. um oh, but thanks. you but you were but you were pretty consistently like you were on the horse engaging <laughs> yeah with engaging. these guys because we've talked about how many frogs you might have to kiss or what is that mm -hmm. saying sorry um, I don't know if I'm getting yeah you right. have to kiss a lot of frogs <laughs> okay good yeah. Josh knows <laughs> you gotta kiss a lot of frogs before you get your prince yeah yeah yeah, and I met several princes, and they were very nice and, to me and kind to me, and we we got what we needed from that. <laughs> and and then current person came into my life who likes Linda Lavin, Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> so, mm, so I'm not afraid of things. If you want to know, it seems like it. Yeah, yeah that's I'm the not message I'm getting. Afraid of dating. I'm not afraid of Tinder during COVID. I'm not afraid, mm -hmm. and I'm not stupid either. Oh, clearly not. Right, but I can. I know a lot of people would be upset with that. Mm. Sure, bringing a stranger into your life during this time. During this time, yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, can we go back to circle back to herbalism right yes. now? Oh yes, I was just going to ask you that. So why am I an herbalist? Um, what good is it going to do me? Right, mm -hmm. I can't use that during a time like this. Right, so I am employing everything I know to stay healthy, keep healthy, keep mm. the people around me healthy, right? And that circle back to tonic, mm -hmm. tonic herbs to support and keep health as high and vitality as great as you can during mm -hmm. this time. That's basically all you can do. Yeah. Right? 
if you go see your doctor and you say, I think I have COVID, what do they say? Stay home Stay until home. you get worse. That's exactly when my window of opportunity starts. Right? Come see me. Reach out to me. Tell me what's going on. Let's keep you from being that person that gets hospitalized. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot we can do and a lot of evidence that it works. Yeah, what kind of herbs um, are out there for like, that, that help with, like in this time specifically? Mm-hmm. If I were you, I'd be reaching out and finding a good quality medicinal mushroom blend. Okay. Uh, I'm not talking about hallucinatory mushrooms. I'm talking about things like chaga and turkey tail and reishi, right? Reishi okay. the king of mushrooms. Um, find a good blend and take it every day. Take mm-hmm. about a half to a whole teaspoon a day. You can find them in powders. You can find them in capsules. Cool. Okay. That's number one. Number two is if you do have to have contact with people, like you take your kids to daycare, mm-hmm. right, or something where you're out in the public on a regular basis or you have a job with, that brings you into your office frequently, take a formula like a Stragalus Jade Screen. You can find that online. Pretty easy. What it does is it protects your wei chi, which is your the chi that lines the skin, mm-hmm. just underneath the top layer of your skin, that protects you from pathogens, right? from oh. viruses, bacteria, fungi, etc. So a good couple of formulas like that can really help protect you from anything. I take Yuking or Astragalus Jade Screen when I get on airplanes, when I go traveling, when I know I'm going to be around a lot of people, when I go see my grandkids and I don't want to get sick, yeah. etc. Then there's the first line of defense herbs, too, which everybody should have in their home because you can't go ordering them online when you're sick. Right. It's too late. <laughs> you need to have them there. Uh, lots of people in the homeopathic world use things like undas and other homeopathic remedies to prevent, prevent viruses when they have that first symptom. Interesting. I tell people, whatever that first symptom is, what's it you, for you? For me, it's a sore throat. When you, when you get a cold or flu. Oh, when you know you're like coming down with something? Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's a great question. What's the very the first? first? Me, it's usually a headache or yes, I typically have a sore throat. That's when I know my body is really uh, being attacked. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. I mean, you've been around me during um, all of my <laughs> sore throat adventures. Yeah, I would say for me, it's probably like, my, like a swollen gland. And I think my left mm-hmm. like lymph node under, like right there under the jaw yeah. will get will inflame pretty quickly. And then I know like, oh, mm-hmm. here it comes. <laughs> so there's a formula called Yin Chow San. It's very popular. You can buy it on Amazon. And I would have that in my house no matter what. And I always, always do. It's always there. Does it come in tincture or powder form? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think it comes, I'm sure it comes in powder. I usually just have the pills around. Okay, okay. Follow so the directions on the bottle, except take it every hour for the first few hours. Interesting. When you start to feel that symptom. Yes. If you drink it with ginger tea, it will help open up the pores and it cause a sweat, and there goes the pathogen right back You've out. already sold me See? on ginger tea. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Right, girls? <laughs> will you say the name of that? Yin, Y-I-N, Chow, Q-I-A-O, and San or Wan. San or Wan just means whether it's a tea pill or a okay. capsule or a liquid. Interesting. Yeah. If you have those three in your house, you're good. <laughs> Should mention that awesome. Leslie's Thank currently you. writing all of this down. I am writing this down, and I we will put it in the show notes. Oh yes. And may I say this is this is something everyone's going to know about. Elderberry is safe. <laughs> is I S safe? Was there a question that it wasn't? Yeah. Has this oh, been yes. I'm lost. Catch it me up. is a huge controversy when COVID first started as to whether oh, elderberry would cause this. a cytokine storm. Yes. No, doesn't. And the cytokine storm happens at the very last stages, and you're not going to see a client, and you're not going to be at home when you're in that stage. Okay. You shouldn't be taking elderberry at that stage anyway. <laughs> That's for way at the beginning and prevention. Okay. okay. All right. This makes more and sense. get your elderberry early or buy it locally. I really recommend you buy it locally because. We're hearing about elderberry being um, adulterated now mm-hmm, because it's mm-hmm. in such high demand. Uh, They're substituting rice bran and things like that for. Where would you, you recommend? Yeah, do you the sell community it? of Omaha can find it? We do sell it at the Four Winds Natural Healing Center, but you have to be a client to buy it there. Uh-huh. If you're not, you can contact Prairie Star Botanicals in Blair, Nebraska, or any local herbalist should be able to make a basic elderberry syrup for you. Fantastic! Mm-hmm. There that. you go. <laughs> there you go. Just already ahead of the curve there. Take a that. teaspoon a day and give your kids some too every day. 
Um, that's fantastic. Thank you for all of that information. Um, I do want to circle back a little bit, and we were, especially now that we're talking, <laughs> touching on COVID a bit, um, I want to talk about space holding with you and how important that is and how impactful it can be. Um, we already discussed that, obviously, you're a container for so many people, but I'm curious how you're kind of going through COVID right now, you know, beyond dating and everything like that. What's like one of the last interactions you really remember? What's something you keep with you? Like, well, you and I had earlier talked about somebody that really displayed mm -hmm. the holding space idea for me. Mm -hmm. And I was in tears when we finished having that interaction. I was going through mm -hmm. chemo at the time. I was, my hair was gone, I was wearing scarves, I was worn out, I was a wreck. As a wreck. So you did end up losing your hair. I did end up losing my hair, but I got my health back. Mm -hmm. That was a cool thing. So I went to, up to this home where I had to drop something off. Mm -hmm. um, knocked on the door. I said, here's this thing. And she came out and she said, she looked at me in the eye and said, how are you really doing? And then mm. she paused. And it's the pause that's holding space. Mm -hmm. She didn't start talking and jabbering. She just stood there with me. And um, I started to cry mm. because nobody had asked me how I was doing like that. Mm -hmm. It was usually, how are you doing? Can I bring you a casserole? How are you doing? Can I take your kids to the park? Right. How are you doing? Can I clean your house? Yeah. Those were wonderful things, and I appreciated that help. But she let me say, I'm really tired. And I'm sick of not having hair, and it's depressing as hell. Mm -hmm. And thank you for letting me ball on your front steps. Mm -hmm. Grief has to be witnessed. Oh, that's that's powerful. Yeah. So it is incredibly important to just hold space for someone to cry in front of you. And I shouldn't even say just. That's a huge thing. When was the last time either of you really let out a good cry? Oh, I could oh. cry. I could cry right now. <laughs> I got uh, one. I got that. I named a room in my house the cry room. Uh, uh, yes, and it's a beautiful room. <laughs> when I was going through the grief, mm -hmm. the heavy, heavy, deep grief process, I have a big, ugly chair in that room, and I shut the door, and it was winter, so I, the, all the heat would stay in there. And then one day I found myself crying like a dead, like an animal that was dying. Crying, I, I didn't recognize my voice, um, but I thought, well, if this is how it has to happen, this is what I'm gonna cry. do. And so I just let it out, and for several days in a row, I would sit down and start uh, journaling and maybe do a little like um, visualization of me with all of the, the, the young me's in my life sitting mm. around me, and how I needed to have compassion for them because they went through so much mm. um and so that brought me to tears and then once i started crying it just the floodgates opened yeah wow because childhood was shitty <laughs> in a lot of ways even if i grew up in a privileged home you can with put that in bold and <laughs> underline it <laughs> childhood was shitty yeah, and I think that's the reason why I end up in herbalism. If yeah. I hadn't been sexually abused and had those oppressive things happen to me as a child all the way through to the to when I moved out of my parents' house, I probably wouldn't be in the shape I was in and wouldn't have needed all the healing that I needed and wouldn't have gone right. through breast cancer and wouldn't have wanted to tell everyone in the world how much herbalism helped me. So there you go. So all the trials led you to this mm -hmm. whole and accomplished woman that you are today. It is making a huge difference in your community. It is crazy how that pain does then manifest mm -hmm. itself in your body. Oh, yeah. And it does create, I don't know, quote unquote problems, you know. Um, I mean, because, yeah, you said you had joint pain and arthritis mm -hmm. at 12. Yeah, that just doesn't sit right i mean i can't imagine a doctor looking at you in that state and thinking yeah this is this is just a normal, normal. thing yeah right they weren't looking out for those things back then no, no. Mm -hmm. i couldn't speak about it either right of course not tell anybody mm -hmm. 
hmm, it's not something I've talked to my own family about that much. Yeah, right. You know, my siblings, yes, but my kids. Just like, mm. it's like an upheaval of that trauma all over again. It's mm -hmm. like you work so hard not to necessarily bury it, but you are working with it now. Mm -hmm. And then to even just put, I don't know, actual words to it. Yeah, to it's say such it. Such a different feeling. Mm -hmm. mm. Yep, and to get past the shame. Yes. That was the biggest barrier to healing. Do you think, are you there? I do think I am there. Yeah. yeah. I think my relationships prove that. Mm. Yeah. Like, I can get really deep and close in with somebody quickly because I don't have to fight through the shame mm. of who I am and what they might think yes. of me. Yes. Well, that's what You're I'm very so good at that. curious about. Um, the both of you have this experience, but after divorce, I feel like there's a lot of shame to unpack from those situations. Do either of you feel comfortable enough to discuss your stories and experiences with the stigma that comes with divorce and how you two as very strong, independent women <laughs> have tackled that and worked through it or currently working through it? It's newer for you, Leslie. It's, yeah, it's sort of very fresh. <laughs> I mean, fresh and not fresh. I've been separated for a year. It was, um, it took me a while to even have the conversation that initiated the separation because I was so terrified to think about myself as having failed at marriage. There is a lot of, now being on this side of it, um, and being so happy, I don't look at it that way, but in my marriage, it was incredibly, incredibly difficult to even tackle the thought of being divorced. Mm. I just felt a huge, I felt like it would, it, like people would know immediately and judge me for some reason. It's such an odd feeling, and it's actually really weird to even say that now, <laughs> just thinking back on it, because everything is so different now, mm -hmm. and I feel so good, and I don't, and I actually don't, I don't worry about it at all. I don't worry about talking about being divorced. I don't worry about mentioning it to people, but before that, before taking those steps, it was terrifying. And now, looking back, can you even imagine yourself? back in that relationship. No. That's how I feel, too. Mine was 12 years ago, but you know, there's still always going to be that little thing. The first person that I dated said, he must have heard me say this, I'm a failure, I, I'm divorced, I couldn't make it work, mm. there's something wrong mm -hmm. with me. Enough times that he finally said, you were in that relationship for 27 years. That sounds like a success to me. I don't know too many people who can do anything for 27 straight years. That's a beautiful <laughs> reframing. And at yeah. that time, that felt so empowering mm. and so good. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, amazing, you guys. Look at us go. Wow. Mm. I am just like so curious. Um, now, when you talk about your divorce, even now for you, Leslie, pretty publicly, um, is there anything else you're still unpacking? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, I mean, I guess I'm just, there's, there's so much that, um, you know, you, you focus on when you're in a relationship with someone and there's so much of your identity um, that you can start to tie to being in that. So, I mean, just for me, um, daily, and I guess the part that is so much fun is just uh, figuring out who I am and standing on my own and really relishing the person that I am, like, learning was there all along. We love watching that too. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great. <laughs> Guys, she's coming alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And, and friendship has been a huge part of that. And friendship with you, Mo, and friendship with you, Carly. Hi. A huge part of that. 
I wish I would have cultivated more female relationships right mm -hmm. out of the gate from divorce mm -hmm. instead of jumping into another relationship right away. Yeah, my female friendships have carried me. Mm -hmm. Especially through COVID too. Oh yeah. I'm now talking weekly to two or three different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. because we like each other and we want to spend time together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's inter interesting the difference that like going into a relationship, yes, it feeds you in one way, but actually fostering relationships with women you look up to and aspire to be, which is who I'd like to think my friends are, people that are role models in my life. I mean, they're peers, but they're also doing great things. And so, I don't know, I f it feels good, even though I know we were just talking about Tinder and dating, but it is such a powerful thing to actually just kind of give all the energy that you would in a relationship to a choice group of fantastic women. Right, to take it's, the energy that you would yeah. place into a romantic relationship yeah. and pour it into your female exactly. friends. Yeah, It's giving yeah. me a deeper perspective on what it's like to be a good partner even. Because it's like, if I can't show up for my friends and mm. myself, like, I mean, that's not showing up for myself then because I'm not nourishing something in, in my soul that needs that connection. You can't just replace that need with romance, I think. Right. Which is why I'm so close to Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> and a little romance is kind of nice, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It, it certainly is. <laughs> Oh, do you know enough about me now? <laughs> I don't think we could ever know enough about no, you. No, this, this could be many, many episodes. I want to wish you so much luck in this community clinic. I know. I'm so excited for this. Are you scouting so locations? Many. At the moment, we're not looking for a solid structure okay. because we don't have the grant money in hand. Mm -hmm. Right. But that'll be part of our process of board, choosing board members to help us. Mm. I was going to say, as a community, what can we do to lift right. up your community clinic? Mm. Yes, what? please think of people that you know who are underserved who mm -hmm. need health care to mm -hmm. words <laughs> and they and they're passionate about doing it as naturally as they can can you maybe tell us a little bit about your public versus private persona just kind of summarize hmm. i try to stay really professional and um, but soft and friendly and compassionate in my, uh, in my public life. Mm -hmm. And I think it, a lot of that carries over, except for the professionalism, into my private life. Right? Um, I like to think of myself as kind of fluid, changing all the time. I'm open to new relationships coming into my life, female, male, whatever. My neighbor with the pink hair. She's fantastic. <laughs> Shout out to Courtney. Um, and new experiences too. So if you see me on my front porch where all the fun happens, I'm gonna be in my leggings with my feet up, cross-legged, <laughs> no shoes, maybe incense some- everywhere. Incense you have, everywhere. You have the best porch set up, you have a little rug <laughs> and like four or five different chairs. Mm -hmm. And you will get herbal treatment. Yeah, you will, yes. Um, and sangria, if you're lucky. Oh, yes, lots of sangria. Maybe a gin and tonic. Don't right. tease me. <laughs> so I don't think that if you saw me as a client and then you saw me in person, you would think I was all that different. What do you think? I agree with you. I think, I mean, having been on both sides of this, yeah. Yeah, hopefully you'd say, wow, that's an even deeper, cool dimension of her. That I Friendship with you, yes. Personal, yes. Well, I'm the lucky one here. I feel very lucky. <laughs> I don't know. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. It's been really good to have you in front of us. So thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me. Herbal blessings to everybody. Where can we find you? Can you shout out your social channels right now or any other causes you'd like to bring light to? Naturalhealingomaha.com is on Instagram. Naturalhealingomaha.com on Facebook or Mohorn if you really want to get to know me on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> mm -hmm. Any social causes you'd like to bring light to? Uh, the one we're talking about yeah. today and how that can impact communities of all colors. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Health care. <laughs> Health 
Christian arts. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, we love you. And um, this has been another episode of What's Her Face. Thank you for listening to What's Her Face. We are a figure podcast produced by Joshua LeBure. Find us on Instagram at What's Her Face Podcast or visit figurepodcast.com for our other shows. <laughs>